I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. A few months after the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School, a friend sent me a link to watch. It was Bill Moyer's interview with David and Francine Wheeler, whose six-year-old son, Ben, was among the 26 who were killed that day. And I watched, astounded. Astounded by their grace, their poise, their depth of being. Before that horrible day in December, the Wheelers had been a typical suburban family, never imagining the turn their lives would take. And then December 14th, 2012, happened. That morning, a lone gunman shot his way into Sandy Hook Elementary School, carrying three semi-automatic weapons. He shot and killed 26 people, 20 of them children. Nine-year-old Nate, who had taken cover with his classmates in the school gym, survived. His brother, six-year-old Ben, was among the fallen. A year later, despite their ever-present heartache, David and Francine have found a way to embrace love and light. Ben's light. Trying to affect positive change so that what happened to them doesn't have to happen to other families. So on a misty California morning, it was my great honor to have the Wheelers join me in my backyard to talk about what really matters. At the heart of this journey are your children, Ben and Nate. Mm-hmm. So, um, tell us about them. Tell us about Ben. Can I? Yeah. Okay, Benny. <laughs> sure. Well, Benny was a force of nature. He was, um, as is sometimes typical of second children, I think he was always fighting for everyone's attention. He always wanted to be the center of attention. At the dinner table, Nate could barely get in a word edgewise. Mm-hmm. And, and he found ways, often hysterical and often incredibly maddening, as all parents know, to, to be the center of attention and to make everyone focus on him. Um, he had a tremendous ev- amount of energy, and, uh, and I've said that he, there was nothing on his dial between 1 and 11. No. It's absolutely true. Mm-mm. You know, he woke up in the morning at full speed, and he was full speed until, his, until he finally decided that his eyes would close and he'd hit the pillow. It was astonishing. I've seen him fall asleep in mid-sentence. Yeah, and he, he, he would. And he, <laughs> it's true. He, I mean, I don't think you could meet someone who loved life more than Ben. Really? Yeah. yeah, and he was incredibly smart. He was taking it all in at yeah, full he was. speed. He yeah. was. Yeah. My father always says, you know, he lived about 10 years each year. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. he just, he loved life and he loved people and yeah. he just he had a lot of talents. Didn't your father also say that he would accomplish great things, that he always yeah. thought Ben would accomplish great things? We just knew that about him. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. was, um, he just, nothing got by him. Mm-hmm. Not a thing. And he was, you know, he was six. So... He was at that age where he was starting to figure out how to not be a kid anymore, mm-hmm. which happens then. What do you mean by that? Well, he, you remember when he would, well, a, a perfect example are some of the questions we got toward the very end. Yeah. You know? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that conversation. Was it just an ordinary morning? 
December 14th, it was. 2012. We had um, forgotten that Nate had book club mm -hmm. at 8 in the morning. There were a couple of so strange we didn't, things. So we didn't, he, they weren't getting on the bus. So I said, all right, guys, we got to hurry up and get the dishes in the dishwasher because we got to get Nate to school. And then I said to Ben, all right, so do you want to come back and wait for the bus or do you want to go and have a treat? And he went, go have a treat. Mm -hmm. So we uh, dropped off Nate at school and we went to the coffee shop and we sat down. And oh, because he was a big Starbucks fan. He right? was. Yeah. He was. And um, before, actually, while we were getting the dishes in the dishwasher, he said, "Oh, out of the blue, hey mom, what what does forgiveness mean?" And I was like, uh, "I don't know. It's like when somebody does something wrong and you forget about it." And he was like, "Huh? I didn't think about it." We go to Starbucks uh, after we drop off Nate because he loved hot chocolate. He loved hot chocolate. <laughs> loved anything chocolate mm -hmm. and we sat down and there's two parts to the story one is that we sat down and he said to me just right there he said mama I'm gonna be an architect and I said oh that's great he said oh but I have to be a paleontologist too and I said why he said because Nate's gonna be a paleontologist and I have to do everything Nate does Wow. and I said well he said I'm gonna do everything Nate does mommy and I said well you know you're your own person you don't have to he said no I want to and we sat there and I said, so nice to be with you. So after he died, I started to question like, you know, maybe that, maybe that conversation wasn't as special as I had remembered it. Maybe I had made it up. Maybe it didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. And I ran into this woman at some Sandy Hook function. I, it'd been the first time I was out publicly in front of our friends. And, about a month later. And this woman came up to me and she said, excuse me, um, I don't know if you know me. I work at the school and I was at Starbucks the morning um, that you were with Ben. And I said, oh, uh, okay. And she said, um, I just wanted to tell you that I'm not in the business of listening to people's conversations, but I happened to hear what a beautiful conversation you had with your son that day. And I, I feel like I have to tell you that. It really happened. A stranger just mm -hmm. comes to you and tells you that? Mm -hmm. Wow. When he asked you the question about forgiveness, you thought, it was just another question in the line of six-year-old questions. Well, I thought maybe maybe they were talking about it at Sunday school, mm -hmm. you know, because he loved Sunday school, and uh, maybe it was their subject. But I had never spoken to him about forgiveness, mm -hmm. and as far as that question goes, I it's so complex, and yet it seems so simple. But I can't lie to you and say, oh yeah, I've forgiven everybody and myself. I think the first person I need to forgive is me and I haven't yet. Mm -hmm. I'm working hard on it. And why do you need to forgive yourself? Well, it's forgiveness and guilt because guilt is no, there's no room for guilt. Right, absolutely. Uh, but one of the natural things that happens after something so horrific. Is the what ifs? Yeah, because oh, yeah. I had three signs not to send them to school that day. Yeah, well that morning. But those were, you know, but you know. He had a, he had a sniffle. Yes. And you asked me in the kitchen, you said, should I send him to school? He's got a little cold. And I said, he'll be fine. Send him. It's not a problem. So I was going to take I him have out to own that day. Okay. You know, I have yeah. to own that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what else? I had um, thought about, because I was musical director of a show, mm -hmm. and I had taken them the night before to the show, but I mm -hmm. was going to take them out of school on Friday and take them to the show instead. Mm -hmm. um, and then decided, no, I'll take them on Thursday and bring mm -hmm. them to school. Um, it's very hard, looking back, to, to say to yourself with confidence, I did everything right. Yeah. And ev you know, it, everybody's dealing with this on some level, and whenever something like this happens, you always, it's our nature, 
to second guess yes. and try and look back and yes. figure all that stuff out. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to say, I did everything I was supposed to do and yeah. I did it right because we want control and we want the power over our circumstances. We want to be able to manipulate our circumstances to our best yeah. outcome. Well, you certainly did everything that you knew how to do. Exactly. At the time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's and that's so what I mean. So you have to forgive yourself yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you say that your job now is to protect Ben's spirit. Tell us about that. What does well, that mean? Well, you know, I've said that I'm still the father of two children, mm -hmm. two boys, and and I believe that. I mean, look, I'm not done being Ben's father because of this, and you know. These kids, Ben and his classmates, um, with all good intentions, have been memorialized in many different ways mm -hmm. by lots of different groups and people, mm -hmm. much of it without our consent or involvement, so, much of it with, but a good part of it, and, and I bear no ill will. Mm -hmm. This is gracious, kind, loving stuff. Because these isn't gestures. It, isn't it the people who, and, and their overwhelming love and support. Right, that, right. That, that so you, you have to let that lift you. Yes. And you can't, you can't allow yourself to let it overwhelm you. But it has occurred to me that there's only one memorial for me personally as Ben's father that matters. And that's how I live my life. Yeah. From here on out, that's it. Wow. That's number one, it's all I have control over. And number two, it's the only memorial that matters. So what matters to me is to speak, I don't want to say speak for him, that's slightly the wrong phrase, but, but to tell the story and to talk to people and to let them know, uh, you know, where I think there is a certain sense in, in how we move on from here yeah. and yeah. what we do. I've heard you say that through our pain, we're trying to gain some perspective. What has the pain given you as perspective? Mm. Well, suffering, grief, are intensely personal experiences. And one of the hardest things for us, and I speak only for us, but I can only imagine that it's the same for everyone, is learning how our processes differ, even between us, to keep a marriage going. Mm -hmm. You have to respect the other person's processes. The perspective is a really important part of this tragedy because I spent many years of my life doing things out of fear and filters. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I won't say that, or maybe I won't do that, or maybe I'll just be safe here. Mm -hmm. When this happened, I have felt this sort of release of, well, what are my choices, right? Mm -hmm. Do I filter now? The cost is too great. I have to be open and say what's in my heart for me to live through this through love. I have to do that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. How is it that you all, was it your faith um, that you immediately went to that allowed you to choose love? Was, was that it for you? For me, it was faith and community. And community. We have, one of the things I am grateful for every single day are my family and friends and mm -hmm. my church mm -hmm. because I, we have an incredible mm. network of people mm -hmm. who support mm -hmm. us and love us. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could make it without them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
you know, over the years with the Oprah show, I interviewed hundreds of people, and in the end, thousands of people with varying stories of pain and tragedy and mm -hmm. loss. And in multiple cases, people break up. Marriages are, are destroyed mm -hmm. and the families fall apart. It's easy because to see how. Because you can see how, because of exactly what you just said. Right. People don't know how to let other people grieve the way they need to, and no two people grieve the same. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, what it boils down to for me is, is having a reason to live. You know, Frederick Nietzsche said, if a person who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Mm, and, I love that. And, and that's, you know, if you have a reason to live, the mistake is looking at life and thinking, and I, this is where I am. The mistake is looking at life and thinking, I have nothing, life has nothing left to give me because of my tragedy. Mm -hmm. because, and, and, you know, in our darkest moments, we have been there. Weren't you told you will be happy again or you will well, have joy again? Yes, but the, I, yeah. the, key, mm -hmm. the key to that okay. is, is mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't really matter what you expect from life. Mm -hmm. What matters is what life expects from you, what you have. And to be able to see that and accept that is a very important step to finding your way out of the dark. Yeah. But one of the things, and I don't remember where we heard this, maybe you can tell me, Dee, but somebody said to us, okay, you can't ever fill that hole in your heart. Mm -hmm. That you can't do. But what you can do is yeah. you can cover your heart with all of this love to protect that sacred hole. Yeah. Wow. And, you got to make your so heart bigger than the hole. You have to make it because love can only grow. Right. So that's what you right. do is you protect that hole. You can't fill it, yeah. you can't fill it, but you can protect it and grow. And our job is to make our hearts bigger than the loss now, bigger than wow. the loss. Mm. And there's only one way to do that. There's only one way. Yeah. You, gotta, you just have to make your decisions out of love. And when we make the decisions out of fear, that's when we have to <laughs> It's true. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. It's true. How do you think each of you has changed? Can you tell me how this, I, you were saying that it's, it's unimaginable for you, but also for anybody from the outside to even understand all of the multiple layers. How has mm. this changed you? It, um, it makes me be more, uh, more courageous because I realized the value to such a greater extent than before this happened. The value of the moment, the value of my relationships with people, mm. and the value of my truth. Mm -hmm. I'm more courageous. That's how I've changed. But my tools I had before Ben died were there because I had worked hard on them. Mm -hmm. So I use those tools too. But you know, at the beginning, I thought none of these tools are working. <laughs> but they're starting to work a little bit. I know, yeah. By tools, what do you mean? Um, I always, I had learned this from, uh, from you, my gratitude lists. Mm, the gratitude journal, you kept yeah. the gratitude journal. And also um, affirmations and mm. uh, uh, embracing my creativity. And all of that comes into play now, because now maybe that cup of coffee is awesome right now. Mm -hmm. 
or maybe... So you focus on the small things. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever that's, you know, yeah. and here's a big one. Because of the tragedy, there are four or five couples who I didn't know before who lost a child who I feel so close to now. Mm. And I lean like on. Mm -hmm. And they lean on, on us. And, 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 and we want nothing more than to be there for them. Yeah. It means Those are gifts us. that we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How has it changed you? Has it changed your worldview at all? It, it has. Um, I think this has definitely made me look at the bigger, bigger questions. Um, I never read um, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, until now. Dr. Viktor Frankl was a prominent Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist who lost everything in the Holocaust. While he was imprisoned in Nazi concentration camps, he lost his mother, father, brother, and his pregnant wife. But Dr. Frankl survived, and in 1946, he published the international bestseller, Man's Search for Meaning. He wrote that even at Auschwitz, some prisoners were able to find a reason to live, if only to help one another through the day. And this sense of purpose was the key to carrying on when all seemed lost. I stumbled up on a passage from it, and it was a passage about the enduring nature of love in times of grief and crisis. And, uh, and so I went to that book very quickly and devoured it in small pieces because it's a very difficult read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, there is so much in there. And he comes to the same things over and over again, things that resonate so clearly for me. You know, no person, you, you, you just cannot do wrong to others, even if a wrong has been done to you. You know, he says the... the That's a hard one. It is. It's very <laughs> hard, hard, but one. it resonates so clearly. Yeah. And he says our purpose is to find the answers to the questions that life presents us and the problems that life gives us every day. Yeah the best solutions and the best answers to those questions. That is what it ultimately means. And to do that with love. Because, as he says, our ultimate goal, man's ultimate goal, is, is to love, is going to be found in love. And he says the salvation of man is found in love and through love. And mm -hmm. that's, in one sense, the salvation in a Christian sense, in his mm -hmm. tradition. But he's also talking, through his experience, about survival. Yes. Mm -hmm. In a concentration camp. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's pretty all-encompassing, and that's how it's changed me. I've, I've, I've had to look into some great big questions, and I never felt like I was staring into the abyss in my life, but and I don't feel that way now. I just, I'm much more open to these things. Did you all go through the stages of grief, shock, anger, denial, right. and finally acceptance? Yeah. And those stages... In our situation, when it's a when it's a violent loss of a six-year-old, mm -hmm. you bounce all over the place. Mm -hmm. You're it's it's not a it's I sometimes even I think I've said to my dad I was like using the word progress is not really no. even appropriate. You know mm -hmm. you can't even think of it as a progression. It's not a straight line by any means. You're over here one day. You're over there the next. You could you don't know where you're going to be when you wake up. And it literally is. And this is I think fairly universal minute to minute at the beginning and then hour by hour. There are the angry days and there are the days What's where... What's a bad day look like? Well, for me, a bad day is, is when I cannot get to that place that I need to be to be open. And the cynicism takes over 
and the, the frustration takes over and the desire for revenge takes over. It is strong stuff. Mm -hmm. And there are, there are difficulties in even, and that's so corrosive. There are difficulties in even getting through the rest of the day. Yeah. It is so corrosive. Miss mm -hmm. Benny's body when I have a bad day. <sighs> he was such a lovable little boy. Mm -hmm. Always let me kiss him and hug him all day long. Well, I, look, I got the bites. Got <laughs> <laughs> but I just miss his body and I'll just cry and I'll stay in bed or I'll just, I'll just cry all day. Just cry and mm -hmm. sad and just that, that loss of just, it'll never be right. It'll never be, you know, and you start to go down that path. And I just have to. And then you have to get into your toolbox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And use all the things that you need yeah. to help you. Yeah. On those darkest days, you go to the toolbox, you go to God, you go to prayer. love, you go to yeah. prayer, mm -hmm. you, you, you go to all of that. I've heard that you've said, Francine, that we want Sandy Hook to be remembered not for the place this happened, but for the change mm -hmm. we made. Is that what the Sandy Hook promise is? Yes, yeah. the Sandy Hook promise yeah. is about that because what the Sandy Hook promise says is, this time things will be different because this time we're gonna work together and find a holistic way yeah. to make all of this um, right from your community mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wherever you live, we have to take steps. And so from Sandy Hook's point of view, we're going to work toward that, the and words, we're going to figure that out. The, the words are, our hearts are broken, but our spirit is not, is part of the, the part of the promise. Sandy Hook promise, mm -hmm. part of that mm -hmm. formalized piece of speech. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the first time we heard it, it I, I was so, so uplifted by just the idea that our neighbors and friends, many of whom we had never met, mm -hmm. came around us in this way and lifted us up in this way. And the first mission of the promise is to support and aid in any way they can these yeah. the families us yeah. you know people ask us often you know well what can we do what can we do mm -hmm. and 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 my answer is change slightly mm -hmm. i think now let's start starting your community starting your community like like my church has and make it be about helping children to be able to find a, a safe place to go to be heard, to be supported. And we've had that in the past, but let's, let's make a more um, assertive effort here. Mm -hmm. And that's how people can really make change happen. That's one of the big ways that they can, because you, yeah. you are all part of community, whether you live yeah. in the city or the, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so. wherever you are to know that the love that you have to offer and to share with other people and your ability to do that, your willingness to do that, that's, what, that's where change comes right. from. Yeah. This, as David has put it, is the tipping point. If, if this may be the tipping point, who knows when we look back at this time. Our, our honesty, our truth is, let's work together. Because mm -hmm. I don't think I can survive this kind of uh, tragedy without doing that. Yeah. Is this, there can't be a single person in the world who thinks this is okay. Yeah in their right mind. And in this country, I believe that, that this fact that you bring up is, a, is probably one of the most significant areas of common ground that we can find mm -hmm. with those on the other side of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Who could justify the numbers even since December 14th? Right. Mm -hmm. The number of school shootings, there have been half a dozen I think now, the number of people who have perished. Mm -hmm. Who in the world thinks that number is okay? So do you all consider yourself advocates now? 
an advocate for what? Well, you know what I'm an advocate for? What? I'm an advocate for love. Okay. Okay? Yeah. okay. That's what I'm yeah. an advocate for. Yeah. And, and that, I, that I'd like to consider to myself an advocate for common sense and, mm -hmm. and sensible mm -hmm. answers to things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people hang on to their beliefs very, very strongly. So let's find out why we're hanging on to these things and let's figure out if there's a place where we can come together and say, you know what, I agree with this, I agree with that, you know. Do you need, is there any rational, sensible reason that you need a magazine that holds 30 rounds? Do you have that reason? Because what you're saying is that you're not saying, let's eliminate all the guns no, from everybody. No, no, that's saying, never going to happen. That's, that's never not gonna It's a public that. safety issue. And there was something that you said, you simply cannot demonize or vilify someone who doesn't agree with you because the minute you do that, your discussion is over. And we cannot do that any longer. The problem is too enormous. There has to be some way that this darkness can be banished with light. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Look, you get up in the morning and every decision you make, you either make it out of fear or you make it out of love. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. That's it. That's yeah. really all there is. Yeah. That's There's it. nothing else. Mm -hmm. so, so how do you take someone who's making their decisions out of fear and help them? And how do we do that as a culture? How do we shift this ship? How do we, in your words, take the darkness and banish it with light. Yeah. That's really what, you yeah. know, because walking yeah. towards the dark or walking towards yeah. the light is the same thing walking towards fear right. or walking towards love. Yeah. As you approach the year anniversary, is there anxiety about that or is every day the same? Yes. There's anxiety yeah. about the year. Yes, but yes and yes. Yes I and mean, yes. I uh, mean, because every day, we hear from the 14th of every month from people. You know, and as the year approaches, of course, that's going to be difficult. But also, it's difficult every day. Yeah. It's both. I have a certain amount of trepidation. Yeah. Uh, the year anniversary, we talk about it with our friends in these, this group of families, the people we're, that we resonate with, and we don't know what we're going to do. We, we don't know what to do. We haven't figured it out yet. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe we don't need to figure it out. Maybe it'll yeah. just... Yeah, I mean, you know, so much of this journey has been about just trying to figure out what's happening this very second. And we're always surprised. We always think we're going to be fine in this situation or ace any situ any given situation. And you walk in and you find out we are not fine. Or you walk into a situation that you think is going to be a real bad situation. And it turns out to lift you and help you and heal you in a way you never could have foreseen. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to foresee that stuff. But yes, there Can't is anxiety. And also, the triggers just come from everything, yes. Everything. Everything. And isn't this what someone shared, one of the parents who'd lost a child, that you, you will have a new normal? Yeah. So now you're in, you're making a new normal, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Allowing it to be created around us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we, to, to the degree that we have any control over what that is, we do what we can. But you don't know where you are until you're there in many cases, so we... We try to be sensitive to each other, to Nate, to our families, to our friends. It's not easy. How do you work at remembering Ben with love without putting a burden on Nate? We get some guidance with that. Yeah. But uh, 
Nate is a boy who needs to talk about the elephant in the room. He has to talk about Ben. Good. Yeah. So we talk about Ben, even if we have tears. Mm -hmm. We we always talk about him. Right. And we we also listen to what Nate wants to talk about about him. Yeah. You know, and he's very open with us about mm -hmm. it. And it's so, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. I mean, imagine you know, here we are, grown adults who feel like we have some understanding of our emotional terrain, mm -hmm. and helping Nate navigate that for him is it's it's really hard. And, and he's going to be dealing with this mm -hmm. for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. And as he gets older and as he makes these connections, as he learns things and puts things together, up it's going to come. Mm -hmm. And we have to be ready to guide him through that and help him through that. You talked about those moments, though, when you, you I thought it was so poignant when you were sharing about, you know, um, good days and bad days. And on the bad days when you are angry and do want revenge and all of that, and you have to go into the toolbox. Do you physically, consciously say to yourself, I'm gonna now go sit with myself or I'm gonna write my journal? I go journal. for a run. Yeah. I gotta call my friend. I've gotta, I have to, uh, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write down everything I'm grateful for in this moment. Mm -hmm. Francine's answers yeah. are sometimes external. Mine tend to be a little more internal. Um, I f have found great comfort in uh, the concept, uh, Eckhart's concept of the observer. And by observer is when you d don't let the thoughts take over, yes. but you are in your observer space yes. where, we, where the real you resides, and you can just watch those thoughts yes. from the space of, of, of peace and centeredness, yes. observe them. Yes. Yeah. I think in, that's why we get along. In the moment, yeah. Because I, I love that about David, that he can, he's my beautiful thinker. He thinks about everything. He helps me to see where my thought process will go sometimes in a way that's not going to be helpful. And I think sometimes maybe I give you some faith about some things. This is a head yeah. and a heart in marriage. It really yeah. is yeah. in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. But it's, we complement one another in that way. Mm. So I love that. It works pretty well. Yeah. Where do you think Ben is, by the way? Where do you think he is? In your own... <laughs> we talk about think that. about him? Where is he? I think he's in... Um, I, I think he's in a lot of places. I think he's in heaven, but it, it's not like that cloud place with the guy with the beard. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> he's, in, he's, in, he's in the birds sometimes. He's in the sky. He's in my heart. He's with yeah. Nate. He's talking to friends. He's in my dreams. He's he's everywhere. Yeah, right? he, he really is everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, <clears throat> he he came he came from us, and we're still here, and he's here, and there is an element to recognizing and being open to those things that is so satisfying, and for that I'm so very grateful. So what do you want people to know most about Ben? Benny, uh, I have to say this because I keep forgetting to tell people. Benny loved lighthouses. It was his favorite thing in the world. Yeah. And I often ask myself, did God set that up or something? Did he show Ben lighthouses early on in his age? Because he was so obsessed with it. And it's when you think about things. what a lighthouse is, shows the light, right? Mm -hmm. So we can see the way. Mm -hmm. So he is going to be our light, Ben's lighthouse, and we're going to 
think about think about Ben when you see a lighthouse and think about how how the light leads us, right? Mm. It's 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 one of those things that just I just picture it and and they just appear now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's light, lighthouses. Lighthouses appear. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, I have to tell you, I was so impressed with you from the Bill Moyers interview that I just wanted to, to be in your presence, to, to see people who walk the talk. We do a lot of talking about it on this show. I know you've seen this show, but you guys are living it and walking the talk. You are, you are what spirituality is. Well, we have the best reason in the world. Mm. The worst reason and the best reason. Mm. You know, Benny is on the path ahead of us. Well, I thank you for your example. I thank you for your example. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.